0: Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today.
1: Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Michelle Berquist your host today of Women Leading the Way, and I have a fabulous woman leading the way today. Um, I'm excited to introduce one of the things I want all of you to know as our listeners is that she is one of our nominees for the recent National Women of Influence Awards and what she does on a regular basis and I'm introducing our guest is Meldy Moore and she is the firm owner and the attorney of Moore Law for Children. So Meldy, congratulations on being a nominee for the National Women of Influence Awards and welcome to the show. Say hello to everybody. Hello and thank you
2: Michelle. It's really my pleasure and honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Well, I'm excited to have you because you know one of the one of the things I love most, Melody, about just kind of peeling back the layers and learning how women who are in business, right, leaders in what they do, do what they do. But the reason why we start and build companies or businesses or why we're so passionate about the 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 profession we're in, and you have an incredible story, if I'm understanding, how you started your firm and your law firm specializing in family law, but children, right? Did you mind sharing just how you started this incredible focus as a law firm and
0: specialty?
2: Of course, of course. I'd be happy to. So actually my whole life I never really wanted to work, I just wanted to be a mom and have children and when I did think about <laughs> what I wanted to be when I grew up I thought it would always have to be something to do with children. But my mind went to being a kindergarten teacher or a child psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up going to law school. And, after law school, I still didn't hadn't found my significant other, so wasn't ready to be a mom yet, so I had to look for a job <laughs> and I found uh, a job in the district attorney's office, which was a very rewarding career and that is where I met my husband and we got married and we had quite a journey to parenthood it was eight years of lots of uh wow. fertility treatments and doctors' appointments and basically eight years of 12 months each of disappointments. (laughs) So um, when I finally became a mom, I stayed at the DA's office for another two years, part-time, and then took a year off. And then I decided I really had spent so long trying to be a mom. I wanted a job that provided more flexibility so I could spend more time at home with my children. And the only area of law that really sounded like something I could be passionate about had to do with children. And so a friend of mine invited me to join her and form a partnership to do special education law. She had a son with special needs, and my children were both in special education for speech therapy, and I thought, this is something I could really feel passionate about. And so we started right. a firm for special education, and because I got my own two boys through adoption and assist reproduction, um, we expanded to include those areas of family formation, too. So that's how I
1: came to be a lawyer doing children for law. I think, you know, I got to say, and it's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a former banker in my corporate career, you know, and so I know business attorneys and transactional attorneys and family law, but I've never heard and if you can go back i've never heard of the specialty as an attorney with special needs and children i mean is that that is a specialty then i did not know that how rewarding would that be
2: it is great it's definitely very unique i myself did not know yeah. about it except that my friend had a son who was the same age as my older son who had autism and so she had been dealing with the school district and advocating for her son with special education for many years and we had another friend in the DA's office who also had a son in special needs who went out and became a special education lawyer. And that was the first time I'd heard of lawyers practicing in that area.
0: Be
1: well, I love that. But yeah. share a little bit. I mean, what are the things that you do? I mean, if that's a specialty, is it, you said, children with autism. So are there things that go on where you literally are the advocate for these children or families? I mean, what what is the, you know, kind of... I don't know, maybe give me a day in the life of what that would be like, what kind of case. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked, but it's cool. I mean, how neat.
2: Yeah, yeah. So normally it's parents who are hiring us, although we have represented many children in foster care where the courts have reached out and appointed us to help get the children placed in appropriate schools. But parents will hire us when they're – usually it's because their child is struggling in so many ways at school and they don't know why or they have special education or they've been denied special education and their children are just not doing well. It could be school refusal. It could be they're being victims of bullying. It could be they're not learning or progressing. And so we advocate by contacting the schools, getting a copy of all their records, and then requesting what needs to be, ad- needs to be done. It might be a full assessment to see if the child qualifies for special education. It might be attending mm-hmm. an IEP meeting to talk about where the problem areas are, and seeing what we can do as an IEP team to help the child. Um, and in cases where we can't reach an agreement with the school on what is the appropriate placement or services for the child, we will file what's called a due process complaint with the Office of Administrative Hearings. And that's where we can go to hearing where both sides present their story, and then a judge will decide if the child's been denied their rights and what those remedies are. So most cases don't get the test wow. to that stage. We try to collaboratively work with school districts, and these are public school districts, to really get the children served and get them what they need to succeed.
1: And, you know, not to go into any sort of like, you know, we're going to like this or that, but I would imagine it's, you know, challenging working with school systems and kind of the the way things are. I mean, I'm just curious – I've, You know, knowing a lot of parents, it's like parents probably don't know about you that much. How do most parents find out about you? By word of mouth or are there other, like, pieces of advice? If, if a parent has special needs children, what are some of the things to look out for that would say maybe this is a time to call you in?
2: Absolutely. So it's definitely word of mouth from other parents. Um, I have had family therapists or child psychologists refer Um, We've had some doctors who are diagnosing with ADHD or autism make those referrals, um, and sometimes parents are just Googling help. But I know here in California, I co-founded and I'm co-president for an association of California attorneys that work in education law. It's CAL for short, Mm -hmm. C-A-L-E. And that's the place where you can go to the website and look for lawyers in your area that do some kind of education law. So a lot of us do special education. Some of us work on school discipline cases. So we'll represent a child if they're getting suspended or expelled, try and keep them in school and protect their futures. Other lawyers might do injury cases where a child's been injured on school grounds. Um, And then some lawyers will do appeals or discrimination cases. So it's really an association Um, For lawyers who specialize in issues that relate to children, students, adult students, and schools. So I think if for your particular area you should do a Google search for education attorney, special education attorney, school discipline attorney, whatever your issue is, and then it's a matter of interviewing and finding someone that actually has experience in this area. And um, you know look online, see if they have good reviews from prior clients and If you feel comfortable with them and you definitely want to have that connection, it's a very personal area. It's not like hiring a lawyer over your neighbor's fences on your property line or someone didn't pay you enough for a contract. It's very personal. So you want to make sure you have a lawyer that you're comfortable with.
1: It is, you know, I mean, just to share, I have a friend of mine, her son is autistic and I know some of the challenges they've really had, you know, with different school systems, um, you know, just trying to get the best care and the best education for their child based on where they are. And I would imagine, am I guessing right, Melody, that there's a lot of steps the parents can go through before they would get to you? Like are there other types of, you said a therapist or something like that. What advice would you give parents who maybe have special needs children and they don't know? Like, What would be the steps back to that association or are there others, other steps you might suggest to them?
2: Well, one of the federal laws is that each parent who is a child who's being assessed for or is in special education gets a copy of their parent rights and procedural safeguards. The first thing I recommend Mm -hmm. is that parents actually read those. It's kind of like the fine print on a contract, but this literally lists all the rights and procedures that parents have. So that's going to be the first place they should start to educate themselves, because if you're an educated advocate, you're going to be a better advocate for your child. If you still have questions or you feel like the school is ignoring you, then you can look for an educational advocate who are non-lawyers or an educational attorney. We do the same thing. Attorneys obviously are attorneys um, and the differences will be the legal education and a lot of advocates won't file due process complaints or go to hearings on due process complaints, um, whereas attorneys will, uh, there'll be a difference in rates. Um, but. Um, a lot of places also you may be able to find resources online to further educate yourself. There will be parent groups. Um, I worry about taking too much legal advice from other parents because you want to make sure where you're getting your legal advice is right. actual, factual legal advice. Um, mm-hmm. So parent groups are still a great place, though, for as a resource, as a support, and a, a place to have conversation. Um, so those are the things I would do. Educate yourself find support groups, and then look for a professional advocate. Usually your doctor or psychologist is not going to come to an IEP, <laughs> excuse me, an advocate at school for you, but they may have referrals.
1: Cool. No, thanks for that advice. And, again, we have listeners all over, so it may not be in – we are in both in Southern California and the San Diego area. But, yeah, for some of our listeners, we want to make sure you can find resources where you need them, and which is fabulous. I, Like I said, again, I had no idea of your specialty. But I want to focus a little bit on you and your business and your practice. And, you know, the kind of elephant in the room, at least in the last seven or eight months, has always been, gosh, You know, Melody, for you and your practice, it's like, what kind of impact did COVID have, you know, for you and your law practice? I mean, was it easy to kind of make the shift? And, you know, what was uh, kind of like life in the lawyer, (laughs) the lawyer lane during COVID like for you last year? If you can share a little bit.
2: Of course, it was a difficult year on so many fronts. For the business, it was difficult because our busiest time of year typically is March through June. It's kind of at the end of the year where parents have kind of reached their limits in that they've gone three-quarters of the year and they're still having problems and they want to get it fixed before the next year. Uh-huh. Or just parents looking ahead, wanting to get a good plan in place for the next year. So it's usually our busiest time of year. So when schools shut down, really it's almost like our business shut down. We didn't get any cases. And I think everyone was just sitting tight, wow. right? We all thought this was temporary. So right. it's to be two weeks and then it was four weeks. And then, gosh, could it actually go to the end of the semester? Um, no one could really envision that it was not only go to the end of the year, but the whole next year. Or so, longer.
1: Right, yeah.
2: Or longer. So for us, it was rather devastating for the business. Um, We still had clients that we were working with. We still took some calls. But even the people who had concerns and we had calls, very few people really wanted to take legal action. It was so uncertain. It was such a new thing. Um, It was a matter, I think, of people sitting tight and trying to get through it. Now, it's been very busy since, you know, kids went back to school last year, and particularly this year. There's still effects of COVID with Some school districts having mandatory masking laws. Some school districts having mandatory vaccine laws. um, Some school districts only allowing general ed students to have a virtual option, and if special ed students wanted a virtual option, they have to drop their services. So there's been a lot of issues trying to navigate the effects of COVID. So we've Mm -hmm. been, as a a business, very busy. (laughs) The law firm has definitely been busy. So we went through a very quiet period, and now it's back to full speed
1: plus crazy. You know, we're going to take a quick sponsor break, and when I come back, I really want to talk about how you navigated that, you know, because, I mean, every business through COVID, I mean, we're in the association industry, right? There were no, like, in-person meetings and events going on, you know, for over a year, and then, you know, we kind of came back out, you know, in February or March, and it's been interesting, you know, how people are reacting, but especially with schools and just all the, you know, not to get into the political part, but just, you know, parents and school systems and, you know, the haves and what they want their kids to have and, you know, what's there. I'd like to come back and talk about that. So give me a quick second. We're going to say a thank you to one of our sponsors, and I'll be right back with you. So Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be San Diego's largest private nonprofit university founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and partners. And Melody, I'm back to you. So, you know, from a standpoint, because you were one of our nominees for the Women of Influence Awards, I'm just curious, and again, this is what people are willing to share, but, you know, how did you, when you said you had literally no business and people held off on, you know, working with you because people kind of hunkered down during COVID, how did you get through that? I mean, what was it that you, I mean, you still were in business, practice was still going on, but, you know, from the standpoint of all of us going, okay, nothing, this was not anything we did as owners, but, you know, we have to adapt, and my favorite world in the world, which is not, pivot, right? And we have to shift based on what's happening. How? What were some of the things you went through to do that with literally, you know, as you're saying, your business was not as it should have been, right, as a law practice? How did you navigate that?
2: Yes, well, I have heard that word pivot a lot, and I prefer to use the P- word network. evolve. P- yeah, cause oh, it's more word. like you're I like just spinning that in place, right? You're stuck yeah. in one place and spinning from side to side. Evolve is you actually have to grow and change with the times. So, like of course, um, I took advantage of, on a, a business side, I took advantage of the idle loans and PPP so that I wouldn't have to lay anybody off. It was very important to me to support my my team here and make sure that they right. could, you know, support their families. So for a business Uh, perspective. I took advantage of all those loans and the paycheck programs. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I looked at it as a time to work on the business. We went over all those projects we always put aside because clients come first, where now we had some extra time to work on training and policies and procedures to really make sure that we were an excellent business from the inside out. And then the third kind of uh, leg on the tripod as it were is we worked on connecting with each other with our clients and with our communities and we started something I call wave of change um, and trying to connect with your team over zoom was very hard in the beginning <laughs> you know we were all so right yeah person. <clears throat> so one right. of the things is we had an inspirational quote every day and I read one from mother Teresa where she talks about if you cast a stone into the ocean it'll cast many ripples and I've always been impressed like by, that. yeah, I've always been impressed by the notion that one person can make a difference. So I decided I wanted to do something. It was, it was September, and it had been so many months now of just kind of feeling helpless and scared and frustrated. And so we started doing a different community service project every month as a team in the office, something where we could get together safely. Sometimes it was Zoom. Sometimes it was meeting outside and doing something for the community. So the first month we just shopped in local businesses. It was National Small Business Month, and we just I gave everyone some money. I said, "You got an hour, go spend it in a local business, and come back and show and tell." Oh, that's and so then cool. It was so fun, and then we promoted all those businesses with pictures on our Facebook page. And then the next month, month was Women's Small Business Month. So we picked women-owned service businesses like nail salons and massages and haircuts, and I treated everyone to one of those so we could, again, as a team, do something nice for each other and support those local small women business owners. And then the next month, we each picked a local nonprofit, and we donated to 10 of those. So each month we did something different, and we've continued that on for the last 15 months. So it was really – and then I would email my clients – every month and tell them what we were doing, invite them to join us or just tell them what we had done. And so it was just a way of connecting, like I said, with each other, connecting with our communities, connecting with our clients to try and keep those lines of connection open in a time of real isolation and kind of hopelessness, kind of spark a yeah. little bit of hope, a little way, that little ripple that hopefully would make a wave of change for our local communities, our clients and ourselves.
1: I think that's fabulous. I mean, my favorite is that you came up with something every month. I mean, that's one thing I have to say, Melody, that just, you know, I think could warm all of our hearts is how many, you know, people just, you know, stopped, appreciated, you know, their blessings, let's say that, you know, in many different ways. But, you know, in business, it was about the innovating, you know, the staying power of going, you know, we just got to get through this. It's like, you know, this is, you know, thinking it's not the end of the world, but some of us felt like it was. And, that is amazing that you pick different things like small business women owned businesses, and then of course, you know all the, I mean because so many nonprofits had such a rough time, nobody was really donating last year, you know like they used to and couldn't hold their big events and things like that so
0: wow, right. power
1: to you girl that's that, that that's amazing, and you know in a couple minutes left that we've got, you know for you, just as an owner and you know the kind of like attorney, right, specializing in what you do and dealing with parents that are, you know, trying to get their children the best care they can. Like what for you were the biggest takeaways as a mom, as an owner, just, you know, thinking back, because I know for me it was appreciate the small things, you know, because we're so busy, so busy, so busy that, you know, it's kind of like having to stop pause and reflect a little bit was a life changer, I know, for me, to appreciate the small things. But what were maybe two of the biggest takeaways for you last year and into this year? (laughs) Yes, I
2: think definitely, like you, I focused on gratitude for the things I could be grateful for. So, and this is as a business owner or as a woman, mother, daughter, friend, whatever it was, you know, there were days when things – felt bleak when things were bleak (laughs) and I would just start reciting all the things I could be grateful for, which honestly were so many. Um, But it's a matter of changing that perspective and focusing on the things you can be grateful for, focusing on the things that are growing right. So many of which we take for granted. Um, So that was, and I've always actually had, since I was a young woman, young child, age 10, I, I got rheumatoid arthritis. And I learned at that young age to realize, oh, there's always someone who has it worse to try and focus on the positive. Right. But really last year, 2020, 2021 was a real challenge to see if I could continue doing that. And really that is the major takeaway that that's what got me through it and what gets me through every day. I start every day thinking about, Something, something I'm grateful for, and I try to end every day with something that happened that day that I'm grateful for. And I instilled that um, with my children. We do it at night, every night, talk about what are we grateful for today. So that is the biggest takeaway. I think the other one would be perseverance, grit, mm, sticking good
1: word. sticking with yeah. it
2: when things are looking bleak, when things seem hopeless, when things are really hard. Um, Just keep
1: going. I love that. I absolutely love that. I mean, it it is. It's the small stuff and the things that are so basic that are so powerful. I I just absolutely love that. Um, I want to have you kind of put your your ego hat on for a minute. We're going to wrap up this way because I know you were up for one of our Women of Influence Awards that I get excited about every year of just, you know, recognizing women for all these wonderful things they do in business and industry and you know, one of the things I find, and I'm curious on your opinion on this one, is that, you know, so many women, you know, will say, oh, I don't need the recognition. That's not why I do what I do. And, you know, to me, it's like, I think a piece of that is like, why not let's own up and, you know, just really kind of say how great we are. But that's hard for women to do. And I'm curious what your thoughts are just under that kind of like lady leadership umbrella. Do you think it's difficult? you know, for women to kind of, you know, toot their own horn and kind of, you know, really showcase the, the great that they're doing? Was it, Is it difficult for you? And do you think women do that is my question?
2: I do think women do that. I think, I don't know if it's so much as modesty is that we're just hard on ourselves. <laughs> we always think we can do better, right? <laughs> um, yeah, a good master the balancing act when really I don't think there's ever a good balance. It's just a matter of juggling and trying to keep all the balls in the air. Um, So I think we're a little too hard on ourselves. Um, I think that we're also taught to be modest growing up, which I actually think modesty is a good trait, but not to the point where we won't allow ourselves to be recognized or recognize within ourselves what we've accomplished. So I do think women do that. I think we need to be kinder to ourselves, um, allow for some grace when we don't do it all perfectly because who does and right. be willing to own our accomplishments and be, um, accept compliments with grace.
1: Oh So wise. I mean, I love that. I love that. And, you know, and even with it, you know, what's it like to be nominated? Like, I'm really curious because I know, you know, so many women, they're like, they're humbled and I love that word, right? Humility and you know, modesty, just because we do roll that way. But then, you know, when you get nominated by someone, it's kind of like, wow, you know, what I saw so much, because I saw so many of the nominators and what they said about other women like you. Um, And it was kind of like, gosh, you know, having somebody else see the characteristics that maybe we don't see in ourselves, you know, share a little bit, what was that like to be nominated for one of our awards?
2: It was very exciting. It was very gratifying um yeah i don't know if you've heard of the book like the seven languages of love i'm one of those people i like to hear i like positive feedback (laughs) i like to definitely have people acknowledge what i'm doing even if it's just a thank you or good job i mean and so to get nominated for this award was was really exciting and it was humbling when i read all the other nominees um bios but it was exciting and it you know what it gives me energy and kind of builds me up to keep going when things get tough. So I was very appreciative.
0: Mm,
2: It's kind of what I needed at the end of a long 12 plus months. Um, So yeah, it was a really good boost and very honored, very excited.
1: Well, those are wonderful words, And I want you to know just from me to you, because, you know, I, I, I peak. I read about people in files and folders, right. As we get our nominations in. And I just, I mean, I read about you and, and, and our other nominees. And I went, my gosh, these are some just absolutely, you know, determined, you know, ambitious women. And yet, you know, that humility of just being a wonderful leader in who we are. And so I'm really curious for you with the family, this will, you know, kind of, again, we only have a couple of minutes left, but how do you do it? How do you, you know, everybody, every woman that I know, Mel Z, says, I want more work-life balance. And we're like, yeah, there is not that. You know, some people call it work-life choices, work-life, you know, um, juggling, whatever it is. Like, you've got children, you've got a family, you've got your own law practice and firm. How do you juggle it all? And what would be some advice to give to other women as they are out there now still trying to come out of COVID, navigate, you know, with everything with kids? I mean, we saw children on some of our zoom meetings last year with, you know, the, the little, the the kidlets in the back with their headphones on working on, you know, the zoom classroom. And it was just, it was heartbreaking. In some cases and others, it's like, that's what we got to do. How did you juggle it? And how do you recommend other women try to kind of find that ultimate work-life balance? If it's possible, Michelle, I'll be
2: honest with you, I'm still looking. It ain't
1: possible. <laughs> I am still
2: trying. I <laughs> think we all I are. I work oh, way too much. Um, actually, I had a goal for January of 2020 that I would be working more on the business than in the business. I was working away from practicing law and more managing my attorneys and my staff to help my clients. And it all changed and had a shift or, as we say, evolved with COVID. And I've mm-hmm. re that goal for next year because I do want – More balance, I do want to be able to have time to look after myself because that always comes last. Work has become before my family a lot just because it's been crisis mode. Um, But I just think every day is a new day. We just have to keep on trying. And I think an important lesson COVID taught us is priorities. And, um, you know, really family in the end wasn't that our priority, our children, our families, our relationships, our loved ones. And we made work work around it. We, you know, found other ways to do it. So I'm trying to hang on to those things that were forced upon us that actually were good for us and yeah. get back to just those things that I liked. Um, I, we've learned there's a new way to do things. And when we have to, we can. So there's no more saying it can't be done this way. Uh, COVID taught us that it can be done another way. So I think just every day is going into it with what do you want Today, How do you want to live your life? What are your priorities? And keep trying. And I'm honest, I am not there yet, but I am working for it every day (laughs) to get that kind of more time with my family, more time for my own health. Um, And I'm going to keep trying.
1: I love that. You know, it is, it's like I've heard, I've heard so many women now just go, I have a different purpose. I have a different, you know, kind of priority. I mean, you used all those words and I think that's it. It's never balanced. It really is, you know, and people can say choices, but COVID taught us, you know, we were forced into maybe some choices, right? Um, but yeah, coming out of it, I think everyone is more, you know, focus on the, the purpose-driven life in some fashion, however any of us define that. But well done. Um, I want to thank you, my dear, for being our leading lady and for being one of our very esteemed nominees for the Women of Influence Awards. We will do it again next year. But um, I want to just thank you again for being with us as our leading lady. And to our listeners, I want to say thank you to you for listening. We just love your loyalty. Um, we are international in scope not just the usa and we're here every monday morning at 9 a.m pacific time fridays at 2 p.m pacific time and other dates like today um by invitation so Mildy, thank you and i want to wish you a happy thanksgiving and to all of our listeners and again use what mel meldy shared and that is you know go out be more purposeful i love the word evolve meldy thank you for sharing that and have a you, wonderful Michelle. week and a wonderful thanksgiving thanks meldy
2: plus.